Father, we're so grateful and thankful for all of your blessings. We could never praise you enough, but we are grateful. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. We love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for your precious holy written word. We thank you for the privilege to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Thank you for this 10th annual camp meeting. We believe that it will be the best we've had yet. So we're praising you in advance for everything that shall be wrought among us. Hallelujah. Now as we look to the word of God tonight, thank you for giving us utterance in the Holy Ghost. May we speak as of the oracles of God. Enable us by the anointing of your spirit to stand in the office that you called us to and to function in that place to the full potential. May the congregation have listening ears and open minds and receptive hearts to your word. And we'll give all praise and honor and glory for everything that's wrought among us unto the worthy and majestic name of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, before you're seated, turn around and shake hands with your neighbor again and smile real big and let him know you're glad they came tonight. Praise God. Amen. Wonderful Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them, please. How many of you have your Bible with you? Would you hold it up? Amen. Just look around at that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Open your Bibles to the third chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. We'll read from there and we'll read some other scripture also. While you're finding that opening to begin with from the third chapter of the Acts, let me say again that it is a real thrill and joy and privilege to have you with us again this year. Many of you have come every year. And we are, as I said, and it's already been voiced, expecting this to be the best yet. Praise God. It's already got off to a marvelous start, hasn't it? And it'll get better and better and better. It's good to see many of our friends with us. Some, you know, that have been friends of ours for many, many years. And some from the very beginning of our ministry almost. And we appreciate you and love you. Praise his holy name. We uh, tried to circulate a little bit in the daytime. We did today and shake hands with folks. We don't have time to answer questions and pray for people, but it's good to hear good praise reports and just to get to shake hands with people and renew acquaintance. And so we'll be around every day and we'll just have a big time. Praise God. All right, you have your Bibles open to the third chapter of the Acts. Let's start with the very first verse. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asking alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. 
and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sent for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power, our holiness, we had made this man to walk. Now notice the 16th verse. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now then, Peter and John were taken in question, and they were brought before the Sanhedrin, and they were commanded to preach and teach no more in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now skip down to the fourth chapter of Acts, and the 23rd verse, And being let go, they went unto their own company, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For the truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. The next verse said, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. I want to read one other portion of Scripture. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, we'll read more than one verse. We'll read a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's notice the fourth and fifth verses. Well, let's just start with the first verse. Let's read more. Let's get the full, full import here. Paul said, writing to the church at Corinth, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, 
For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, if we all went home now, we'd be blessed. Can you say amen? amen? Two weeks prior to camp meeting, and last year we did the same, we came in off of the field and had a couple of weeks of prayer in the morning time. We have prayer school each afternoon at 1 o'clock, Monday through Friday, the year around. A little teaching on the subject of prayer and then intercession, and then at 2.15, school of healing. But we added a morning prayer series from 10.30 till 12, Monday through Friday, the last two weeks, or the two weeks prior camp meeting. I was not able, because of having been gone so long and things have to be done when you come back then, to be in on every service. But when I was there and led the service, I was led by the Spirit of God to read here from this fourth chapter of the Acts. And to note how that the apostles and the early church prayed and what they prayed for. These services prior to camp meeting were called for that one purpose, not to pray for anything else or anybody else except camp meeting. And we took at different times each one of the speakers and prayed for them, not only for their ministry here, but for their ministry at large and in general. And we took the singers. We prayed about the, the ushers. We prayed about folks who are coming that we don't know about and some that we do know about. And we took them to the Lord. But above everything else, we notice what the early church, how they prayed. You'll notice that Peter and John, being let go, went into their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. You know, when you get in trouble, that's a good place to be in your own company. Hallelujah. And among people who know how to pray. And the Word of God said, when they heard that, they, the whole company of believers, all of them at once, lifted up their voice with one accord. Now I'm sure that they didn't all just say word for word what is written here, but the Holy Ghost through Luke gives us uh, at least uh, how God looked upon it and what he heard. And first of all, I want you to notice that they lifted up their voice with one accord and first began to talk about how big God is. Lord, thou art God. Hallelujah. Who has made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. Most people, when they come to pray, begin to talk about the problem, first of all, and talk about the situation that exists, and talk about how big it is, and talk about what the devils are doing, that he's going to take everything over. I, I hear that. I heard that when I was a teenager, when I first started preaching. At 17 years of age, way back in the mid-depression, they, they said then the devil's going to take everything over. All the young people are going to the dogs. And I told them then we weren't. Hallelujah. I said, no, 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 the devil's not going to take everything over. For if he took everything over, he'd have to take me over. And he can't take me over because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. 
And we heard them say, all the young people are going to the dogs. 1934, 1935, 1936. I was young, 17. Young people all going to the dogs. And everybody seemed to be talking negative. But I got on the other side and I said, no, all the young people's not going to the dogs. Because if all the young people went to the dogs, I'd have to go. And I'm not going. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to invite other young people to come and go along with me with God. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? And thank God they did. Praise God. No, sir. But you notice, instead of looking at the problem, first of all, and talking about how big the problem is, they began to talk about, first of all, God and who He is and how big He is. Praise God. And when you begin to talk about how big God is and you begin to talk about who He is, your faith will grow by leaps and bounds. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? And then secondly, you notice they begin to bring Scripture in on it. They begin to quote Scripture. They reminded me of Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I remember that great exponent of revivals and faith, Charles G. Finney, said in his autobiography, he said, I had some experiences in prayer that indeed alarmed me. He said, I found myself saying to the Lord, Lord, you don't think we're not going to have a revival here, do you? You said in your word, and he said, I found myself quoting scripture after scripture that the Lord had said. And he's the greatest revivalist since the days of the Apostle Paul. Praise God. Yes, sir. He brought scripture in on it. These folks brought scripture. And then notice, finally, they got down to the problem. And notice that they didn't even give one sentence to the problem. They just gave one little clause. They said, and now, Lord... Behold their threatenings. They gave three words out of the whole prayer to the problem. Most folks would have given all of it about the problem and maybe three little words about the Lord. And that was, oh, what am I going to do? No, sir. They just gave three words about the problem. Behold their threatenings. Now, what's, gonna, what's the answer to their threatenings? What's the answer to the opposition? What's the answer to the persecution? What's the answer to the devil that's trying to stop the move of God and the flow of God? Grant, hallelujah, that with all boldness, grant unto thy servants, that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Hallelujah. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be wrought by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Glory to God. And so, now that's not my sermon, that's, that's not even the introduction, that's just, that's just extra. As we were praying then, and oh, we had sometimes a prayer, and, uh, and I'd just say to the folks, you know, get comfortable if you want to kneel to pray, if you want to walk around, as long as you don't disturb anybody, I like to walk and pray sometimes. And so I was walking across the platform praying, you know, praise God because I'm praying about my part in the, in the camp meeting. What am I going to preach on? What am I going to teach? What am I going to say? And as I was walking across the platform, the Spirit of God said to me, the key word of the camp meeting is the supernatural. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> now, now you see, after all, that's what they were praying for. That's what they were praying for. Grant that thy servants with all boldness, supernatural boldness, may speak thy word. By healing the sick, that's supernatural. By signs and wonders, those are supernatural. 
So the Spirit said to me, the key word of the camp meeting is the word supernatural. Now we started this morning with teaching, but really we sort of called the Monday night service the kickoff service, you know. Glory to God, we're going to kick it off with the supernatural. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I think we understand know about the supernatural, but just, I just went to the dictionary to look up the word and see what the dictionary said about it. And uh, the first definition was of our proceeding from an order of existence beyond nature or the visible and observable universe. And then the second definition was the divine operation or intervention with the miraculous. That's what the supernatural is. And the third definition was something miraculous or marvelous. The key word of this convention or this camp meeting is the supernatural. We notice from this third chapter of the Acts the name of Jesus. Peter says, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong or healed in other words or whole whom ye see and whom ye know the very name of Jesus has within it supernatural working power. Even to this day, though 2,000 years have rolled away since he walked with men, yet that name, blessed be God, still is endowed this day with supernatural power, as it was then. Jesus the Galilean was a miraculous or supernatural worker. Jesus' life was supernatural. His wisdom and teachings were supernatural. He lived and walked in the realm of the supernatural. He made the supernatural common. His death was supernatural. His resurrection was supernatural. His appearances were supernatural. His ascension was supernatural. But perhaps the most outstanding, supernatural, miracle of all those wonder days was the event of Pentecost. From the upper room, there went forth men and women, boldly, boldly to testify of Jesus' name who fifty days before shrank in fear from the very names of the high priest and his associates. Peter, the trembling, fearful Peter is now clothed with the power with fearlessness Hallelujah. He goes out and faces the Sanhedrin, the Senate, a high priesthood, with a boldness, hallelujah, that amazes us. A stream of the supernatural flowed from the hands of the apostles. We read in the fourth chapter of Acts, 
You go to the fifth chapter of Acts in the twelfth verse and it said, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And so a stream of the supernatural flowed from the hands of the apostles and upset Judaism and shook the Roman government to its foundation. They made a discovery. The name of that man whom they loved. The name of that man whom they had seen nailed to the cross in nakedness. That name now has power equal to the power that he himself exercised when he was among them. Hallelujah. I've thought about my own ministry over this period since being baptized with the Holy Ghost, particularly in 1937. My own ministry over almost a 48-year period. What is the thing? You know, I almost sometimes go to meetings even yet and wonder if anybody will be there. And I'm the most amazed person in the world when the building fills up. I wonder what they came for. Surely they didn't come just to hear words. But no, it's a supernatural. Oh, when you discover that name. I remember the first time that the Lord spoke to me about casting the devil out of an insane person. My wife and I were pastor of a little church in the Black Land, North Central Texas and Farmersville, Texas. Paul and Opal Hinton are here. They were in that church. There was a lady over in Greenville as we went in that was raised up from the deathbed. We had a lady in our church named, we called her Sister Brown. She had moved from Farmerville over to Greenville, but she'd come back to Farmerville to church always. So we went by to see her. We were there in Greenville to shop. She said, Brother Sister Hagin, before you go, you must go down the street and pray for a lady. She's given up to die. Her husband put her through three different clinics. She has to die, the doctors say. They can't do anything. I told her how God moved in our church. I told her how God used you. What she was talking about was the supernatural. The supernatural attracts people. The supernatural inspires faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But you see the supernatural in, oper- in operation and inspire the faith you've got, praise God. And so I told her how God uses you and how God works in our church. We, it was just a common thing. I mean, every weekend for the supernatural to be in manifestation. So my wife and I went in. We knelt by the bedside. She could only talk in a whisper. I had to get down on my knees and put my ear to her mouth to hear what she said. And I said, well, we'll pray. She said, ever since Sister Brown told me, I said, I believe Brother Sister Hagin would come and pray, I'd be healed. So we laid hands on her, my wife and I, and began to pray. I'll tell you, Brother Sister, the supernatural not only means supernatural manifestation of power, but it means hearing the supernatural voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Amen. And a stranger they'll not follow. And the voice of the Lord said to me, the voice of the Lord said to me, get up and stand up. Don't pray for her. Take your hand off of her head. Get up and stand up. Now somebody said, just what voice was that? I'm talking about the voice of the supernatural. Sometimes the voice of the supernatural is at work among us and we don't recognize it. Because you see, we're waiting for something perhaps more spectacular. 
The Lord said to me one time, my people are waiting for the spectacular and missing the supernatural. Amen. Are you listening to me? You say, what voice was that? Well, let me skip over something for a moment and I'll come back to it. Incidentally, the woman was raised up from a deathbed. I just got up and stood up and said, the Lord told me to tell you to get up. You're healed. And she got up and was healed on Sunday. She's over in our church giving her testimony. Praise God. Amen. Now, I'll come back to something in a moment. You see signs and wonders here? Now, Paul and Opal Hinton are back there. They were there when she gave her testimony. On Sunday night then, before I preached, and we had our big crowds on Sunday night in those days, filled the church up and running over, you know, if the weather was good, you know, people looking in the windows. I said, just before I preach, I'm going to ask our sister just to stand up where she was seated over to one side and give about a little ten-minute testimony about being raised from a deathbed on Thursday. And so she got up and gave her testimony. And you know, we're talking about many years ago, we didn't have any rugs on the floor, just a plain wooden floor. And so she got to testify and got to dancing in the spirit and began to dance and danced all through my sermon. <laughs> now listen, you listen to me. Paul and Opal Hinton are sitting right there. You're talking about signs and wonders. And that's what we're talking about. The supernatural at work among you. I went right on and preached. She danced and didn't make any sound. You'd have to look at her to see she's dancing. Soft as bouncing a rubber ball. Didn't disturb my sermon at all. I went right on and preached. When the service is over, she showed my wife. And I said, I went down yesterday and bought me a new pair of shoes. She showed them. And the new pair of shoes had leather tops. And she danced the leather taps, completely worn off, and never made one sound. Did she, Paul? Stand up, Paul, if that's so. Wave your hands, everybody say. Never made one sound on a wooden floor. Is that's not a sign, and if it won't make you wonder, what is it? <laughs> the supernatural. Glory to God. But now, wait a minute. I'm talking about that supernatural voice. Let's back up a little bit. So she was raised up. My wife and I got in our car, and we started from Greenville, Texas, back down old Highway 24 towards Farmersville, rejoicing, rejoicing. And the Lord said to me, oh, thank God for the supernatural voice of God. I've endeavored to follow it through the years. I couldn't have used you here if you hadn't obeyed me on that $10 and on that $12.50. I said, what are you talking about? I'd forgotten about it. You see, three years before, a preacher come along. See, this is 43, so Christmas of 1940. Evangelist. I asked him to preach. It's Sunday night before Christmas. No, he said, you know, my kinfolk says, sorry, he's older than I in age, but younger in ministry, he wouldn't preach. In those days, if a fellow preached for us on Sunday night, we gave him a $5 honorarium. Don't sound big now, but it's pretty good then. <laughs> Amen. After all, $5 on a rim was a half a week's salary for me. I got $10 a week. See? And he just preached one time, see? Give him $5, see? And I didn't give him $5, but he didn't preach, so he didn't give anything. But I'm standing around the door shaking hands with people, and the Lord said to me, how did he say it? To my spirit, right in here. Give that preacher $10. I said, Lord, I couldn't do that. This is week before Christmas. I haven't bought, haven't bought my wife a Christmas present yet. I haven't bought Ken. See, Ken's the only one we had there. I haven't bought Ken a Christmas present yet. I got a little extra money now today because this, you know, but I said, I can't afford to give him $10. You know I can't. And there I am shaking hands with people just to smile and having a fight between my head and my heart. 
finally I got ten dollars together and give to it. Or twelve fifty it was with him. Twelve fifty. And gave to it. I heard his mother-in-law say a little later. See, he was a member of our church. I heard her send somebody. You know, Brother Clyde was off at Christmas time. He had enough money to pay his house rent and his utilities. Didn't have a single penny left for any of the children at Christmas dinner. Somebody gave him twelve fifty and had enough to have Christmas dinner and get a few little things for the kids. Well, I didn't jump up and down and say, That's me! I did that! I did it! I did it! No, just very quietly I said, Praise the Lord. I'm so glad I listened to God. Amen. And then a few months afterwards, another preacher, I was standing around the front door shaking hands with the folks in a Greyhound bus stopped right in front of the church. Highways in those days all went right through town, you see. And I saw this preacher get off of the bus with his suitcase. I recognized him. I didn't know him personally other than I did know he's, you know, I'd see him at conventions and such and that. Shook hands with him one time. So I went out to shake hands with him. He said, glad to see you. Guess you're going to be with us tonight. Well, yeah, he said, I got off here. He didn't say anything more. I said, well, how about preaching for us? Okay, he said, I will. Uh, may I go over to the parsonage, you know, and change shirts and freshen up and shave? I said, sure, go right ahead. Well, we got the service going. He came along and preached. He got to preaching, and from this day, from that day till now, I don't know one word he said. Don't even know the text he took. I, I barely got to sit down until the Lord said to me, That's that, that voice in here said, give him $10. Oh, Lord, I said, I can't give him $10. That's a whole week's pay. You see, I averaged $43.15 a month past in that church over a three-year period. So you can see that's about a week's pay, isn't it? I can't give him $10. And I had an argument between my head and my heart all through his sermon. I don't know what he preached on till this day. And I didn't even get it settled time the service was over. And I'm back around the front door shaking hands with people as they leave, you know, just a smiling real big, you know, and having an argument between my head and my heart. We got over to the parsonage. We invited him. He's going to stay all night with us. And the Lord said, now get that $10 together and give to him. And I said, I can't afford that. You know I can't. Yeah, he said, he's, uh, the Lord said to me, the reason he got off here, he just had enough money to buy a bus ticket to here. He's going on down to Winsboro, where his dad-in-law lives. Next Sunday, he's going to preach over at Emory, Texas, at the Assembly of God Church there. He's going to try out for pastor, and they'll call him to be pastor there. Now, you give him $10, and that'll get him on down. Those days, it'll get you somewhere, you know, on down to where he's going. So, you know, I, I, I had, I think, $1 bill, and the rest of it change. <laughs> you know, we got it that way. Dimes. Remember Brother Rogers used to take up dime offer? You remember the hell? Sure. Brother Rogers, a world champion dime taker up <laughs> Amen. Sure. I mean, a dollar in those days, I mean, a dime in those days, big as five dollars now or ten. And so, I got all that together. I had a double handful, you know. And I went to my desk and got it, you know, and I said to him, come here. He went back to the other room, you know, and then he'd come back in, into this living room. And I said, the Lord told me to give you this. And I just handed it to him. He held out his hands and he said, hey, hey wait a minute, put it in my pocket. And he filled up his pockets and all that. I think one dollar bill and the rest of it all changed. And then the devil said to me, now, boy, you, my head said, now you plead whaley. You know, that's a good Texas colloquial expression. You get off from some places where they don't know much and they don't understand that kind. You know what I mean by playing whaley? That means you played the fool. You understand now? You missed it. You're just out $10. He didn't need that. So I said to him, then as we went on to have a little bite to eat, I said, brother, uh, I mean, I ask you, you know, where you're coming from and where you're going. Brother Hagin, he said, uh, I was in West Texas, my wife and children down at her daddy's in Winsboro. 
And so he said, I just went to the bus station and laid the money every dime I had down. I said, how far will that take me? And he said, the fellow figured up said, well, I'll take you to Farmersville. And he said, well, okay, give me a ticket to Farmersville. And he said, I said, well, Brother Higgins passed there. Maybe I'll stay all night with him. I'll hitchhike on down to Winsburg the next day. So he said, I asked the bus driver as we were coming into Farmersville, where is the Assembly of God Church? And he said, well, I go right by it, right on the highway. And he said, I'm not supposed to, but if you'll just stay on, I'll stop and let you off right in front of it. And they'll just about be starting church about this time. So he led him off right in front of the church. He said, that then I'm going over next Sunday and preach at Emory. Well, I knew what God was telling me, see. So I said, I'll tell you what. I told him what the Lord told me, and I said, you're the next pastor at Emory. And he was. See? Now, how was that? See, I know sometimes I've had the voice of the Lord coming to me speaking like thunder. I mean like an audible when you're looking around and say, who said that? But no, that's just like he speaks to everybody. He said, put $10 in the offering tonight. That's a supernatural voice, brother. Put $10, give him $10. And the Lord said, you see, we're going down the highway, my wife and I, weeping, rejoicing. A woman's been raised up from the deathbed. And he said, if you hadn't obeyed me with that $10 and that 12 and a half, I couldn't have used you here. See, a lot of folks are waiting for the spectacular to raise up somebody from the deathbed. Well, are you listening to him what he said about the $5 to put an offering, or the dollar, or the tent? See, learn that supernatural voice and follow it. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen? Well, now, this lady said to us then when she came on that Sunday, raised up from the deathbed, I have a sister who's in the asylum in Wichita Falls, Texas. And uh, she's been in, in, in a solitary confinement for padded cell for two years. We can't get in there to pray for her. She's violently insane, tried to kill herself, tried to kill others. But I know if we could get to her to minister, God could heal her too. I said, I know he could too. Thank God I believe in the supernatural. I said, I believe in the supernatural. I said, I believe in the supernatural. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll turn that request over. We'll, she said, you all pray. I said, I'll turn it over to the group we had. Little, 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 oh, five, six ladies that meet on Wednesday afternoon at church and pray. Among them was one little lady, red-headed woman. In fact, Paul said she's intended to come to count me, and I hope she does. I want you to meet her. You've heard me talk about some little red-headed woman, Sister Sylvia Patterson. She could pray heaven and earth together. Couldn't she? Amen. I said, I'll turn it over to that group and we'll pray. We prayed ten days. They let her, her mind then wasn't no longer, she wasn't insane anymore, or that is violent, she's still insane. They said she'll always need institutional care. But if she could come home on furlough, you see, because she had no sunshine, no exercise, she's not going to live much longer, she doesn't change of environment. she come home for two weeks on furlough. So the first Saturday of May of 1943 in Farmerville, Texas, that old postage a sister brought her. I remember we began to pray. We went to the first thing we thought of. Sister Brown came with her. We thought of Sister Silver Patterson. My wife and I went and got her. We came back to that old pastor. We began to pray. And as we were praying, the Spirit of God said to me, Go stand in front of her and say, Come out, my unclean devil. Now get this. In the name of Jesus. That name hasn't lost any power. That name hasn't lost any power. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My statement was, and I'm going to repeat it. They, those early Christians, those early disciples, made a discovery. The name of the man whom they had loved. The name of the man whom they had seen nailed to the cross naked. That name now has power. 
equal to the power that he himself exercised when he was among them. And so the Spirit said, that supernatural voice, go stand in front of her and say, come out, thine unclean spirit in the name of Jesus. And sometimes quite humorously I say, I did, he did, and it did. Glory to God. And she was delivered. Nineteen years later we were in contact with her and her mind was good. Hallelujah. Thank God for the supernatural. It's the supernatural power of God. Not only the Word of God, sure, yes, but the supernatural that has made this ministry what it is. Hallelujah. Under the ministry of Jesus, the sick were healed, the dead were raised, demons were cast out. Then we see, blessed be God, in the acts of the apostles, the same thing happening as they breathed the name of Jesus. What a stream, a stream of supernatural love, supernatural life, supernatural hope, supernatural joy. Showered from the ministry of those humble Galileans. In the Acts of the Apostles, those first 33 years of the early history, as seen in Acts, were sample years. They weren't something that happened, and that's the end of it. The era of the miraculous ceased. Theologians have said when the last apostle died, all of that ceased. The Bible didn't say so. I said the Bible didn't say so. My brother, sister, the apostles did not exercise any power. But what is available to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today? And so those first 33 years of early history as seen in the Acts were sample years, sample years of the Acts of the church until the return of her Lord and Master. Man, after all, is an offspring of God. God created man in his own image and after his own likeness. And God's a supernatural God. Hallelujah. So man is an offspring of the supernatural. The supernatural working. The, the miraculous desire is embedded deep in the consciousness of man. Christianity is based on a series of supernatural manifestations. Christianity began with the supernatural and it's propagated by the supernatural. Every new birth is supernatural. Hallelujah. Now, I grant you, some don't seem to be as supernatural as others, but they are. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, 2 Corinthians 5.17 said. This supernatural life coming into a man, I've seen it change criminals into worthwhile citizens. In fact, we've got four people out in full-time ministry who are out of Leavenworth Penitentiary. We've got any number of folks who have graduated from Rhema, who, who got a hold of our books and tapes 
in the penitentiary. Many of them were born again. Some of them filled with the Spirit under the ministry. Somebody else had already got them saved. They're out in full-time ministry today. I remember a young man wrote to me several years ago before, uh, or the year before we started Rhema, actually. He wrote to me and said to me, Brother Hagin, I'm just a young man, Huntsville Penitentiary in Texas. I'm, I'm getting out of the penitentiary. I'm getting out on parole in a few days. Now he said, uh, you see, a Methodist minister had come and had Bible study there and got him saved. And that Methodist minister, the First United Methodist Church in Conroe, Texas, uh, used my book, the big blue book on faith study course as, as, as a series of lessons. And this young man wanted one, and so they, he gave him one. And he said, I've studied that faith book. And he said, this is my confession of faith. I'm getting out. Now he said, when I say that to my fellow prisoners and to the guards, they laugh at me. You don't get out on parole when you come up the first time when you've killed a policeman. You see, full of dope he had killed, murdered a policeman. He said, I say to him, yes, but that fellow's gone. I'm a new man in Christ. I don't kill anybody. I'm not going to kill anybody. You know, he got out. He came to second year Rima. Praise God. Real anointing upon him. You put him up to preach, brother, you, you was conscious of that anointing. That call of God. I thought about that. Here's a youngster on dope. You see, he killed a policeman. Didn't even have knowledge that he did it. Didn't even know he did it. But all evidence said he did it and he did it. But it changed him. Praise God. He's no longer a murderer. He's a divine son of God with the life of God in him. Graduated Marima. Now he's serving as assistant pastor. Down in Texas, one of the Assembly of God churches, danced for several years. And through the efforts of the pastor and us signing some things, the governor of Texas granted him a full pardon. Hallelujah. I've seen the very worst criminal of the power of God come into him and change him from a criminal unto a worthwhile citizen and saint of God. I've seen the life of God, the supernatural power of God, come into a prostitute and change her unto a worthwhile citizen and a beautiful mother and a beautiful companion and a beautiful example of Christian life and Christian living. Oh, thank God, this is a supernatural life. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Every answer to prayer is supernatural. Every victory over temptation is supernatural. But brother, sister, when reason takes the place of the supernatural, Christianity loses its virility. Christianity loses its fascination. Christianity loses its fruitfulness. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is the life of God in man. Jesus said the thief has come, but for to kill and steal and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Man, even natural man, today craves a supernatural work in God. Whenever there arises a man or a woman whose prayers are heard and answered, the multitudes flock to them. Brother Hicks talked about Ms. McPherson. That was so concerning there. 
You see, man wants a living God. Man craves the supernatural. The deep-seated hunger in the human heart for God is the reason for all religions. Men are easily deceived sometimes by the pseudo-supernatural because of that hunger within them after the supernatural. One of America's greatest psychologists who ridiculed the supernatural for over 30 years in his classroom at one of the leading universities finally sat at the feet of the high priestess of spiritualism and confessed over his own signature in a popular magazine that at last he had found faith in the supernatural. What a pitiful picture. Turning from the supernatural working Jesus to the supernatural working Satan. My friends, the church is to blame for the rise of spiritualism. Are you listening to them? Yes, they are more born again, spirit-filled Christians in America today than ever before. Yet right on the other hand, there are more people falling after other religions. There are more people falling after the cults, the false, the spirits. You see, it's the, it's the heart of the human seeking after the supernatural. And if the church had had the supernatural in manifestation in her midst, folks wouldn't have gone off after these other things. You see, the answer to the supernatural craving of man for the supernatural is found in the new birth and in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and in the name of Jesus. And then prayer becomes a supernatural working force in the world. Can you say amen? amen? Nobody's going to follow a dead church. You know this as well as I do. That the supernatural is not out of harmony with the desire of humanity. You know this as well as I do. That a worker of the supernatural, or as they prayed for the wonders and signs, a wonder worker, a miracle worker, a supernatural worker, will draw a greater congregation than the greatest philosopher or statement in the world. The love of the supernatural is not a mark of ignorance but rather an outreaching after the unseen God. Education does not eliminate the desire for the supernatural in man. That desire is intensified as education unveils man's impotence in the presence of the laws of nature and shows him his utter dependence upon the unseen. It's not a mark of great scholarship it's not a mark of great piety to deny the supernatural. Brother, sister, it's just simply an act that's normal to man. Man craves 
man desires, the supernatural. And thank God, our God is a supernatural God. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, every revival, we talked about Pentecost, but every revival since the day of Pentecost that has honored that humble Galilean, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been a revival of the supernatural. The church has never been rescued from her backslidings by great philosophical teachers, but humble laymen who have had a new vision of Christ, a new vision of Him who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. We crave the manifest presence of the Spirit of God in our religious services. A dry, dead meeting has no drawing power. A service where men are being richly blessed in the unfolding of the Scriptures or in the saving of the lost, in the healing of the sick, or people being baptized with the Holy Ghost has a drawing power. Hallelujah. Another scripture that we looked at in our prayers these two previous weeks was James 5, 7. You could turn and read it if you wanted to. This has to do with the coming of the Lord Jesus again. It has to do with why he hasn't come. What's he waiting on? Why doesn't he come? Notice what James said. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for a harvest. I said he's waiting for a harvest. He waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. Now notice, until he receive the early and the latter rain. Well, of course, literally speaking in Israel, there was early rain when they planted the crops and the latter rain when they matured the crops. But as we read Joel's prophecy, praise God, there's also a spiritual fulfillment of it. And Peter on the day of Pentecost said, This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Thus saith the Lord in the last days, uh, In the last days I'll pour out of my spirit. So it's a latter rain upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And, and so on and so forth. And, and so then he said again, Ask ye of the Lord rain. Ask ye of the Lord rain. In the time of the latter rain. So the Lord will make bright clouds. And send them showers of rain. That's talking about the Holy Ghost. Send them showers of rain to everyone. Grass in his field. Not talking about grass in your yard and grass out there literally in your field. He's talking about a spiritual something. You see, an outpouring of the Spirit is a challenge to a community at any time, praise God. Now notice what he said. Ask ye of the Lord rain. Told us to ask for it. So the Lord will make bright clouds. Oh, I'd read and quoted that scripture for years and preached from it. But I don't know why I didn't look. I just noticed that. 
in my Bible, King James Translation, Cambridge Bible, that's just a little number there by the word bright, and I looked over in the margin, and it said the Hebrew said he'll send lightning. Well, lightning go along with rain. He'll send lightnings. Instead of bright clouds, he'll send lightnings. Woo! Praise God. Then I got to think about it. That's what the early church is praying for. Glory to God. And you just read a little. There's in the fourth chapter of Acts. You see, they prayed for it. And you get over to the ninth chapter of Acts, and there's old Saul of Tarsus breathing out threatenings against the saints, consenting unto the death of Stephen, breathing out threatenings against saints, letters in his possession, giving him the authority and the power and so on, and to put in jail and change them that are in that way. And he approached the city of Damascus, and suddenly, bless God, God sent lightning. Hallelujah. A bright light. Hallelujah. Shine down around about it brighter than the noonday sun hallelujah praise God I believe bless God we believe in the supernatural and if we'll get in one accord like they did there'll be some of those opposers like old Saul that the power of God will just come down on hallelujah amen you'll send lightnings lightning to strike up lightning to strike up I remember one time there in that old Farmersville church in January of 1950 we had a fellow there a Jew holding us a revival Remember Brother Paul, Brother Lefkowitz. And the last Sunday night, he was there for the month of January, three weeks of January. The last Sunday night, he gave his testimony. How that he was converted, you see. How that his parents, you see, wouldn't have anything to do. In fact, they had his funeral after he became a Christian. Because he was a Jew, you see. And wouldn't have anything to do with him in all these many years. But recently, he was going from our meeting to have a secret meeting with his mother. She secretly, through somebody else in contact, wanted to see him after 15 or 20 years, you see. So he's giving his testimony. Now he's just about through with his testimony. The lights are on in the building. In fact, that little old building is more well righted than all this is. And he's, he's still speaking. He hasn't even started all to call it. Suddenly there's a light flash. We all saw it. I mean, a light flash. Brighter than the lights. You couldn't see. Nobody could see anything. That fast. And you look down the altar and there were several people in the altar. That fast. I remember one of the men said later, he's sitting over here, he said, after he got saved, he said, how did I get down here? I didn't come down here. <laughs> a fellow sitting by him that's down there praying said, uh, well, he didn't come by me. You know, if you were sitting there, somebody come by you, they'd, they'd brush against your knees. They can't get out between those two. Folks sitting in front of him said he didn't come over us. Now, how did they get down there? I'll tell you, the power of God transported them down there just like that old fellow. That light flash, he said he'd send lightning. Glory to God. That light, the whole building lit up. None of us could see anything. We got our eyes wide open, but we can't see. You see, and then when we could see, there they were in the altar. I had that to happen then over there at Frisco. I went over to take care of Brother Tipton's church at Frisco for, for a few, oh, six months while he built a church in another place where it held revival. And I had a fellow holding a meeting by the name of Charles Wilson. And on a Sunday night, he was preaching on a prodigal son. Now, Brother Wilson, just a country farmer from Oklahoma that got saved, baptized the Holy Ghost, fifth grade education. But, uh, and he had never studied... Uh, 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 about preaching and homiletics and all of that. But he was the best that I've ever heard a narration type preacher. You know, tell it in store for him. Yeah, you know, I took a special course in homiletics from uh, a university in, in New York. And, and in that, uh, you know, there's a 20 lesson course. One of them, of course, one, one is narration type sermons. And I believe he was the best. He'd just shut his eyes and preach. As he would see it. He's preaching about the prodigal son. And you know, he just shut his eyes and told it in story form. And the prodigal son left home. And then you know, they lived out in the country on the farm, you know. In the cool of the day. 
his mom and daddy now grown old, sitting on the front porch, as he described it, you know, looking down the lane that led to the main road, and somebody started down that lane towards home. She saw her squinted eyes and looked and said, John, you know that, that look. Said, that, that walks like John Jr. And he looked and said, yeah, I believe that's him. He got up and looked, you know, started running down the lane towards you. Now he's telling it the way he sees it in story form, you see. When suddenly, suddenly in that old church there at Frisco, the light, that light flashed. You know the light, the building's well lighted, but we couldn't see anything. Everybody, we talked about it. Everybody, the light flashed. You know, that fast. That fast. You couldn't see anything. Like a flash bulb going on. You see? Like a flash bulb going on. You know, if you were standing right there, right close, and the flash bulb went off, you couldn't see a thing for a minute, you see. Well, that's the whole thing, you know, if you could imagine a giant flash bulb went off. Nobody could see anything for like that. You look down there, and there they were in the altar, four, five, six, seven people. We got them all saved. Then they said, how do we get down here? We said, we don't know. We couldn't see. <laughs> well, they said, that light flashed, and we couldn't see either. Next thing we knew, we was here. People sitting by them said they didn't come by us. Others said they didn't come over the pew. I saw that happen three times now. How, what was it? He said, I'll send lightnings. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Amen. Are you listening? Amen. Thank God. We ought to expect lightnings. We ought to expect the lightning of God to strike some people. Praise God. Amen. I had something just here a while back. Oh, thank God. You never, you never, you never deplete the supernatural, brother. God's always got something for you. I had something happen, never happened to me before. I don't know whether it'll happen again or not. I'm expecting it a whole lot more to happen. But, but out in prayer and healing school a few weeks ago. You know, I was preaching away, you know, teaching, and we were praising God, and God, through the word of knowledge, led me to minister, call out certain kind of diseases, and tell ministers to people. And then right over here, there's four or five people, and I happened to look, now nobody else saw it in me, but it's like a flash bug went off over them. I saw it just as plain as any flash bug, plainer. And I said, and I don't know which one it was, but one of you got healed right there just now. And the fellow right in the middle I said, yeah, it's me. Praise God. Amen. All the symptoms disappeared. Very obvious thing. Well, I've never seen that before. That flash bud went off right over his head. I saw that flash. Well, he said, he'll send lightnings. Thank God for the supernatural. Are you listening to me? Thank God for the supernatural. Thank God for the supernatural. Hallelujah. So many things happen, you know, we never even know about. We were up there in New Jersey, just across the river from New York. First or second week of June, crusade. The lady said to my wife and I, may I speak to you? Well, we're always in a hurry to and from you. You may if you don't be in a hurry. When she said, Brother Egan, I just wanted to give you a good, good report. Said, I was healed down there at Rama four years ago. 1978. Uh, she gave some word in front of it and then rheumatoid arthritis. She said Brother Fred Price was there in a, in a seminar and then he went back to be in his Sunday services, you see. And you had the Sunday night service. And you ministered the sick. I was in a wheelchair. And if you remember, well, I really didn't remember until she called my attention. You laid hands on me. And she said, I got up out of that wheelchair. said, I'd been in a wheelchair three years. And I, you sat down it and I pushed you across the front of the auditorium. Now, she said, four years have come and gone, and I'm still healed. Praise God. Thank God for the supernatural. I said, thank God for the supernatural. My wife said, 
My wife said, have you ever sent that testimony in? No, no, she said, I haven't written it. Well, she said, write it, send it in. So many you see whenever you hear from. We went on up to the next meeting, come back for a week from healing school, and went back up to Worcester, Massachusetts. And a young lady in the hotel, as we were going to our room, said, may I speak to you? Well, again, yeah, you can if you hurry. And she said, well, I just want to thank God for the books and tapes and the ministry. My baby was born with a uh, malignant tumor on the spine. The doctor said it's inoperable. We cannot operate on it. And uh, she's... Uh, you know, there's no hope. There is no hope for the child. There is no hope. But she said, just before the baby was born, somebody had introduced me to some of your books and I began to read. And she said, we, we just didn't let that bother us when they said there's no hope. We just began to pray and to believe God and that malignant tumor disappeared and the child's perfectly healed. And my wife said, how old is your baby? She said, seven years old. And just as perfect and as normal as any seven-year-old. Thank God for the supernatural. Thank God for the supernatural. Praise God. We got a letter and a picture just a week or two ago from a lady in California. Now she had sent it at, at Anaheim last year. She had sent a picture there by Brother Brown. You know, we were, she'd come to the meeting we'd had there at Fred's church and, and, and brought her two-week-old baby. And the doctors had said it's hopeless. It's what we call a waterhead baby. It, it is nothing. This condition is hopeless. And said, you laid hands upon the child. And she sent us a picture of the child, now two years old, perfectly normal. So bright. Quote, said she can quote Mark eleven twenty four. Amen. She just runs around preaching Mark eleven twenty four to people, two years old. Hallelujah. When you come on the radio, said she always said, hello, Brother Hagin. <laughs> now, when you come out there this time, said, I want to bring her one day and show her to everybody how she's healed. Oh, thank God for the supernatural. Thank God for the supernatural. Thank God for the supernatural. God has not lost any of his power. God hasn't gone out of business. Hallelujah. A lady wrote me from New Mexico. At the end of June, I came back from one of those meetings. And the letter was she and her husband had come down the first part of May. About almost two months, you see, like about a week then, two months earlier. They'd come down to the afternoon healing school. Now she said uh, in her letter, and gave her pastor's name and so on. said, Brother Hagin, here's my pastor's name and all. You can contact him if you want to. We already had my funeral arrangements made. Because you see, she said I had terminal cancer she had been operated on before. But now then she's got cancer of the liver. It spread to cancer of the lungs uh, in her blood all over her. And so it came down. My husband then was in a, in a wheelchair. Uh, the, his, uh, his right hip joint had deteriorated and was just, just about completely gone. And the doctors wanted to operate on him, put in a plastic hip joint. Maybe it'll work, they don't know, it's according to the bone around it, whatever, you know. And so said, we got him up there and, and, and sort of held him up, some of the fellas did. You laid hands on the power of God came on him. And he fell. And I said, I, I don't know about that falling business. Well, did you notice when that light shined about Paul, he fell? It said he fell to the earth. Paul said in reciting that later on, we were all fallen to the earth. Why? Because of a manifestation of God's power. That's part of the signs and wonders, bless God, they're praying for. So he fell. She said, he said, that that went all over me, just like a warm glow all over me, and then settled in that hip joint. And as I lay there on the floor, it just felt like there was fire in that hip joint. He got up out of the floor and could walk. He went back home. The doctors, same doctors, x-rayed his hip. He's got a brand new hip joint. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. Thank God. Amen. Now she said, I saw you lay hands on him before you laid hands on me. Now when you laid hands on me, it was entirely different. I didn't feel any burning. Sometimes folks do, burning sensation. But she said, I know you laid your hand on my head because I could feel it. But you see, I had cancer in the liver and the main thing, the lungs spread all over it. And she said it was just as powerful as if, if a man, a big man, had taken his fist and hit me as hard as he could right here in my lungs and knocked me down. And I was healed. I've been back to the doctors here. They are amazed. They can't understand it. Well, they can't figure out what happened. We, we don't understand. I meet people on the street and they stop and blink their eyes because she looked like the picture of death before. And she said, healthy now. What happened to you? Don't look the same. Well, she said, I'm just preaching all up and down the street. She said, I'm not the same. I'm healed by the power of God. Thank God for the supernatural. Amen. Thank God for the supernatural. Thank God for the supernatural. The two and a half year period in those healing schools, we've had 11 confirmed terminal cancer patients healed. Confirmed. When I say confirmed, I mean they went back to the same doctor and said there's no hope you'll be dead two months, three months, one of them one month. And they confirmed they couldn't find a trace of it. They were healed. Now we've had other cancer people healed. Don't misunderstand me. But they weren't terminal yet. God's in the healing business. I said God's in the healing business. Amen. Thank God for the supernatural. Thank God for the supernatural Bible. Thank God for the supernatural God. Thank God for the supernatural Jesus. Thank God for the supernatural Holy Ghost. Thank God for the supernatural laying on of hands. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Let's stand up everybody and praise God. Glory to God. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him for the supernatural. Because He is at work among us. Oh yes. Oh yes. And in our midst. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Great is the name of the Lord. Greatly to be praised. Above every name is the name of Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise and reverence and honor and magnify your holy name. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Mandala Christa Kalavam Evrangeli Shusta Koreevi Aprakata Libro Kuriekeli Andala Brambokala Frupo Kolieti Eshkana Mimi Ambro Nondala Frapafra Bifi Andala Krita Kilishka da Kalapa Hasunona Mimi Ambra Nakarite Kelishoko Riestamba It is looking unto Christ Yea, it is looking unto Him who is the author and the finisher of our faith that causes the supernatural to come into manifestation in our midst and even in our lives and in your life. Look not unto man, for it's not by your own power, it's not by your own strength, or it's not because of your own holiness, but it's because of his name and faith in his name. All faith in his name will work miracles. Faith in his name will cause the supernatural to move in your behalf. Faith in him Faith in his name will put him, yea, to work in your life and for you and in the life of your loved ones. Take that name. 
Break the power of the devil over those lost loved ones and claim their full salvation and deliverance and ye shall see it shall come. Take that name. Take that name. Take that name. And you break the power of the devil over your finances and see them change and see prosperity come. No, don't depend upon the other fellow to do it. Too long, folks have looked to man. Too long, they've looked to man. Too long, they expected you do it. Somebody else do it. Yay, that name belongs to you. Use it for yourself. Use it for yourself. You'll see the results and you'll be blessed by your doing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to shut your eyes and raise your right hand right now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Now, if you have unsaved loved ones, I want you to think about that unsaved loved one or loved ones right now. Right now. Get that in your mind. Now then, you'll know then, between you and God, who you're talking about. I want you to say this. Father God, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for the mighty name of Jesus. I take the name of Jesus and break the power of the devil over my unsaved loved one. I claim their full salvation and deliverance from the power of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now put your other hand up and thank him for it.